0: As always, so very good to see you. Um, I think we are starting to feel even more the loss of connection. And uh, uh, if you're anything like where I'm at these days, uh, we're missing each other. We're missing being out and about with people. And springtime in New England can feel so very long. Um, we have snow yesterday, and we're saying to ourselves, what is going on here? You know, it's, it's already tough as it is, and then we have snow here in New England. And for those of you who are from other parts of the country, um, there are different circumstances and different challenges that you're facing, but we're all together in this one big challenge that we have never faced, uh, that we are facing for the first time. And so if you are feeling traumatized, if you are feeling disoriented, if you are feeling um, alone, if you are feeling stressed, angrier than normal, sadder than most of the time, then you are part of the human experience. This is what we are going through together as a group, as a community and uh and we're going to want to get angry at something it's really difficult to be angry at a virus how how, how do you how do you get angry at at, at something that's small and something you can't see right and so it's much easier to become angry at people around you at the crazy world that's out there at our leadership um there's all sorts, and we're starting to feel all of those feelings are rising up within us. And so I just want us to take a collective breath and to acknowledge this is what we're all going through. But right now, today, April 19th, on a Sunday at 1043 a.m., you are right here. And you are with Vine 39 and the and an extended community as we have folks popping in from other parts of the country. And take a moment and look at the faces that are here. I know it's weird, but it's less weird than when you're in person. I can't imagine doing this exercise with a live audience. Hey, turn around and look at somebody and just stare at them for a moment. But you can on Zoom. You can even even secretly pin someone's someone's image if you want and stare at them for a few minutes. But I don't advise this. That can be, uh, yeah, that would be creepy. So, but in this moment, look at these faces. Each one here represents a story. Everyone in this virtual room is a person like you who has struggles like you, who has days that they feel like giving up and days they feel like they're doing okay. Every single one here in this virtual room is a beautiful human being created in the image of God. And I can't appreciate that any more today than I ever have. It's to appreciate the beauty of the divine image within all. Because there is so much darkness that we can forget that, be lost in that darkness. But we have this moment on a Sunday morning, April the 19th at 10.45 a.m. to be with each other. And so breathe that in. And maybe what you do this morning is a bit more of the chat than you've done before. Just to put stuff in the chat box and just to say, hey, I'm so glad to see you. And I love you. And I'm wishing the best for you. And to encourage each other in this moment, because we need it. We need it. This is a beautiful moment right here, right now. I think of the beautiful book of Romans, chapter 8, where Paul says that I don't consider the present sufferings worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is Paul who's gone through hell and has experienced some of the worst of human evil being levied at him and many of the people that he loved. It's one thing to have evil levied at you. It's another thing to have it levied at the people you love so dearly. And many of us here are feeling not only our own pain, but we're also picking up on the pain of other people. And so that collectively is why you may be feeling heavy and you may be feeling depressed, is you're picking up on a lot of emotional distress in this world. And Paul is one who has experienced incredible pressure against him. But what broke his heart even more so than perhaps anything else was it was happening to the people he cared about so deeply. And so here in Romans 8, he begins chapter 8 uh, saying, hey, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, right? because we know we're going to have those moments of good and we're going to have those moments of bad. But in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Now I want to read uh, verse 18, and I'm going to share this screen um, so you guys can see it along with us here. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now think about that for a moment the purpose of this suffering that we're going through right now is to reveal this glory, this glory that will be revealed in us. And I don't know how Paul can get there in this moment, but somehow he is able to say that with faith, knowing that this is going to produce something glorious within us. And if you were standing here and speaking to us, He would say with great confidence, I know, I know the ups and downs. It's not about feeling one day down and feeling one day up. That's normal human experience. But there's something deeper inside of me that believes that this is producing a glory and I've seen it and I glimpse at it and we're heading there. And it is going to produce something wonderful in us. And that is what this crisis, this pandemic is doing. It's the purpose. It's not not as though it's caused by God, but it has a purpose to it. And the purpose is to produce this glory within us. Look at the support to this in verse 19, the next verse for the creation. Waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. It's probably thinking back to the fall in Genesis. It was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. But look at this twist in this completely unexpected part here. It was subjected in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. It seems as if there's purpose here, that things have to sometimes go through frustration, through difficulty, through pain. Because it is through that process then that a greater liberation comes to us, a greater glory, a greater redemption. And Paul is actually thinking in terms of not only just a sort of spiritual uh, liberation, but even a liberation for the physical world from decay. So this isn't just about escaping on a Sunday from the pain of COVID-19. This is about, no, we are heading towards a place where even those sort of things will no longer be a problem, that we are solving them and we're moving forward and we want to actually bring about something wonderful um, that is uh, more healing to the human race, less sickness, less, I mean, more, more salute, more uh, uh, cures, right? More um, solutions to these, these ailments that we have. And this is where it's heading. And Paul says that it was subjected in order so that creation itself will be liberated and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up unto this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves we who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly, as we eagerly wait for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Okay. It's interesting here, just by just a note, is if you read earlier, right up here, in verse 17 or verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, right? But then, right here in verse twenty-three, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly, as we await eagerly for the adoption to sonship. Right. So, on once in one sense, he's saying we already are God's children. And in another sense, he's saying we're waiting for the adoption of our sonship, the redemption of our bodies. It's, it's, it's not complete yet. And Paul is saying that. I he, he's recognizing it. Like, <laughs> look, if you didn't get it from chapter seven, I'm saying in chapter seven that sometimes I want to do the things that I should do and other times I don't. This is the battle that we're in. Uh, we're, we're watching as decay happens around us. We're watching as illness strikes us. We're watching as the, 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 the planet itself is under duress. I mean, this is the first time now people are saying where you know the Himalayas can be seen in India, right? And, and all kinds of uh, pollution is, is reduced significantly in China and, and, and elsewhere because there's a pulling back a little bit and there's a arrest taking place there. But it just goes to show that, that, that earth itself is groaning because of all the abuse that, that it has taken and the decay that it is going through. And Paul has this image in mind that it's all things being redeemed, not just our souls like we came to Jesus, but everything on this planet fully redeemed and alive and resurrected in Christ Jesus. For in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. And I love what he says here because, man, we need the Spirit to help us, right? The Spirit groans. What does it mean when the Spirit groans inwardly um, and groans as, as if it is interceding for us? What does that mean? It means that there are times with the Spirit and think about this. Paul always has the creation narrative in Genesis 1 on his mind. Whenever he's speaking about these sorts of big um, big topics about, about humanity. And then right there in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And the spirit hovered above the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay. The Spirit is always present where there is chaos, where there is disorder, where there is pain. And the Spirit was there hovering, and we experienced that at times with this, this comfort of the Holy Spirit, even as we began our, t- our time together. As I led in that sort of spontaneous, let's just do this. I didn't think about this initially, but I felt the spirit. I felt that kind of warming up happening. And and the spirit comes alongside of us and sometimes does that and sometimes comforts us and sometimes gives us insight and sometimes gives us hope. There's a spirit groans inwardly along with us saying, we want this redemption. And it is, and by the way, groaning in the idea there is not just like, I'm groveling in pain, begging God to do something, or I'm, I'm just uh, just groaning in ache and pain. Um, it's not just that. It is this idea of giving birth. That's kind of the metaphor being played around with here, is that is it's, it's of giving birth. There's something that is being birthed in the midst of our suffering. And this is what Paul is so hopeful about, is that the spirit groans inwardly. There's a groaning, there's an effort, there's a struggle. But that struggle is a good struggle because it produces something at the end that Paul says is this glory that will surpass all of the pain that we have endured. This is why he says, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. What's the point he's making? He's saying, well, this is the point. You don't see it right now. You don't even, it's not right now. We're in the midst of the storm and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon, at least not in the next few weeks. And so we're saying to ourselves, wow, this is just like darkness after darkness. And I'm walking through this tunnel. And every time I I take a turn or, you know, another turn, I'm hoping that then I'll see light and there's no light. And, um. And that's the experience. But Paul says there's this hope. And hope is not something that you see, but it resides deeply within us and it keeps us moving forward. Hope, who hopes for what they already have, as he says here in verse 24. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What's he saying there? What what we just said, that all this pain, the Spirit is with us, and it groans as it is giving birth to something new within us. And that new thing is in accordance with the will of God. It is what God is doing in us as a people. And then he says in verse 28, the famous verse that many of us have heard, quoted, maybe tattooed on ourselves. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This is as succinct as he can get it. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So, even in the midst of COVID 19, God is working good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And that's the good news. All of this is about this redemption that's taking place within us. And so, we stay faithful to this process. We stay faithful in the midst of this to what is it that God is doing in me? What is God doing in you? So here's the challenge, as I would ask you to ask yourself regularly, what is God doing in me? I'm having reactions. I'm having this this frustration. I'm having this anger. I'm having this, what is God trying to birth within me? You won't know the answer, we won't know the answer until probably sometime after this. But if we stay faithful to be to, to the test instead of trying to escape the test or get angry at the world around us, right? Because that's easier than to actually deal with our own sense of helplessness, right? There's an existential feel that we all have these days. It's this sense of loneliness, the sense of of helplessness, right? This, this is all of our experience. And what do we do in that place? Well, we go back to that pain and we say, okay, that's what that is. But instead of escaping through getting angry at the world around me or escaping by doing something else, drugs, alcohol, whatever escapes, we have all sorts, food, games, anything can become an escape. So we say, okay, what are you trying to do in me, Christ? Spirit of God, what are you trying to do in me? And may I suffer well so that this thing can be birthed in me, right? And so a mom who is pregnant with a child has to do th- things, certain disciplines, right? Can't be drinking alcohol, can't be doing, you know, certain things like you have to Do these disciplines, you have to live a little bit more aware that there's something happening within you. And if you want to give birth to this beautiful thing, you're going to have to take care of yourself. You're going to have to do certain things. You're going to have to limit certain things in your life. You're going to have to have disciplines that you're not used to having in your life. You're going to suffer. You're going to experience pain. But all that pain is part of the process of giving birth to something wonderful. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So what I wanted to do is, um, this is almost like a, a, not a separate sermon, although it could easily be that, but it's a way to frame what's happening and make sense of it theologically. Because there's a lot of unfortunately, there's a lot of bad news and a lot of um well, I'll be candid. How about that? There's a lot of crap. There's a lot of garbage that's being put out there by by other pastors, by the way. And it's just really troubling to me as I read this stuff because it's it's things like, you know, this is a judgment from God, or this is um this is sign of the of the end of the age and Jesus is returning. And I just think let's stop spiritually bypassing, you know, let's it's that actually we got to do the work, and that's what's really hard, but we're all are looking for escapes. But it turns out to be very unhelpful and dangerous, actually, because it takes us off the path. So what I want to do is, is kind of ground this in some theology. And I want you to remember this, because this is so very important in terms of thinking theologically and thinking biblically. There are three main things, that main concerns that Paul the Apostle carries forward from the Old Testament. Three main concerns that the, that the authors of the Old Testament believed God to have. They were the overarching concerns. There's lots of plenty of little ones. But these are three main overarching concerns that God has that, for which Israel herself is sent into exile and punished. And, and if we understand this, it will start to make sense and even guide us in terms of what we, how we think about this world around us. This isn't about. A, it isn't going to tell us necessarily uh, what political position we should have, but what it will do is it will inform us as we look at our leadership currently and as we think about the crises in how to actually then respond appropriately. Uh, now, there's the internal response we just talked about, but this is more of thinking about it as as a collective and how we're to think about and respond to this. So. The first concern, the overarching concern God has, is, and I'm going to share screen here again because this is uh, there's some verses here. Um, the first one is our neighbor. Now you see this, and those of you who have read the, the 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 Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, you will see this. You'll start to see this everywhere. Our neighbor, who is our neighbor? it's the poor, it's the widow, the fatherless, right? All these categories that are captured in the Old Testament that the prophets, the minor prophets kept warning Israel, if you do not take care of these people, I'm going to send you into exile. I guess repeatedly over and over again, do not mistreat or oppress the foreigner, for you are foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with a sword, your wives and your widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is in needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. If your neighbor's cloak, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? And when they cry to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. What do you hear in this, folks? (laughs) You hear the heart of the Father. You hear a compassionate heart. You hear empathy. And my greatest concern these days is that, by and large, we have lost our empathy. Not we in the Vine Vine 39, because we're exceptional people here. This 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 group right here that's on zoom yeah we're, we're the exceptional group we're wonderful so um, i'm not speaking about us but the rest of the world is is has lost their empathy but you look at the, you look at our leadership and you look at those who are at the top and i'm waiting to see empathy i'm waiting to feel their hearts i'm wanting to see tears in their eyes for the pain that is going on right now and i'm not seeing any of that from anyone and that is troubling to me very troubling because this is in scripture and this is the heart of the father and i'm not expecting people to have uh, tremendous empathy or compassion but but i'm expecting something something a little something are you have you lost your soul because when you lose your soul when you lose your heart that way that is when, um, that is when uh, punishment, or you know, from the Old Testament writers, which for me it could be either either punishment or just consequences of behavior, and I prefer to think of it as these are the consequences, the results of, of bad behavior. But here, Exodus twenty-two, the na- neighbor is are these people widows, foreigners? These are people that do not have the same level of freedom, liberty, power, autonomy, that this other class has. And so when we think about it today, it's, it's, uh, it, we're, we're hearing more and more from folks who are saying, look, we're not being listened to. I can't tell you how many doctors who are in hospitals are begging and have been pleading for the last couple of months, please listen to us. Those of you who are in leadership, you're not hearing us. It's been turned into a political game and this is not a political game. There are people suffering and we're seeing things we've never seen before and our own lives are constantly being threatened because we're in the face of COVID-19 all the time. Blacks in New York City, African-Americans who are diagnosed with COVID-19 are dying two times to one versus non-whites. There's all kinds of statistics like that. And this is not just stats, folks. These are people I know who are saying, yes, I'm seeing lots and lots of my people in these hospitals dying. It's just, this is a a, a nonstop sort of thing that has always been around. All we're saying is we've got to start listening to people. And the, spirit, and the, and the heart of God is one that always says, if you cry out to me, and there's a lot of you crying out to me saying, hey, uh, we're not being heard. We're not being listened to because there's a a game being played and people are trying to save face or people are trying to save their jobs or whatever's going on, but justice isn't coming down, then we need to listen. We need to hear. This is not, again, not about deciding about politics. This has nothing to do with that. It has to do With the heart of the Father. And that is, do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? And are you hearing them? And to love your neighbor means you listen and you hear. It doesn't mean that you agree, it means that you hear and that your heart is touched. But what's happening to us is our defenses are getting in front of us and we never even get to the place of actually feeling. And I think what we need to do is to say, why am I not touched by the hurt of another person? Why do I not care? Or why do I care less about the hurt of someone who is out there versus the hurt of somebody who's either with me right now or, you know, my own hurt? This is where we get, you know, for God so loved the world, right? Instead of for God so loved the Jewish people. (laughs) Um, So uh, think about that for a moment. So the neighbor issue is a big issue. Second one is our land. So land was a big deal a huge deal. In fact, to some degree, land was sometimes equal to the to the people themselves. This is why you have verses like, if you don't do this, the, if you continue to do this, the land itself will vomit you out. <laughs> like like it's strange that the land would vomit you out, but that's the metaphor that God uses to speak about you know, the abuse of land and the refusal to take care of it appropri- appropriately. Look at Leviticus 26, 34 through 35. The land Will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate, and you are in the country of your enemies, then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All that time that it lies desolate, the land will have rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. So this is another issue where God is concerned about land. You know, we have focused so much on progress, <clears throat> um, sometimes more than individuals, you know, and um. And we've been hearing from certain politicians and pastors and it's, you know, effectively saying it's better that one dies or that a few die for the sake of the whole, you know, and for the sake of, of, of progress. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves again, like, is this the heart of God? You know, like, you know, is this where God would, what God's heart would be like? And, and, and is this really my heart? And lastly, it's the third concern, overarching concern is. Is God, you know, the whole idolatry piece in in Old Testament, uh, and particularly in, among the prophets, over and over again, saying, "Because you have followed other idols and worshipped idols, I will send you into exile." And and I think the application to today would be that our institutions today embody, uh, have become institutions have become similar to idols because um, when an institution is um, Let me stop share here for a moment. So um, institutions become uh, representative of the worst characteristics of the individuals oftentimes. And institutions only have one concern, and it's the survival of that thing. And so what happens is we end up serving the institution, and it becomes somewhat like an idol to us. And, uh, and the issue with idolatry was that it was something that was fixed in, in, a design, in an actual stone or, or wood, but it was fixed. It wasn't something that grew or changed as we grew and changed. And, and, and I think that what's happened, unfortunately, is in the religious world, we have a God that sometimes is less moral than some of the people within the church itself. We have a God that people say, well, God, you know, God's punishing these people because of the wickedness of their, what they've done. And I think, geez, that comes across without any sort of sense of empathy or compassion. Like where's the heart again? Where, where, what has happened? Why is your God so dark and so evil that it, it it's worse than you? Like you wouldn't do that to your own children. And yet you're saying God will punish and send these people, you know, into torture. And and, and I just think, but that. If you you know again, we have to our God has to continue to be something that is beyond us. And that's why it can never be fixed in, in any stone or any structure. And so I think the concerns, the three overarching concerns, and Paul carries right into Romans, is our neighbor, do we love our neighbor, our land, and our God. And so I I think in th- these terms, as we're looking at what's happening in our world today, and I think if anything, Um, The biggest one for me is, are we tuning in to our empathy? Are we tuning into our heart or are we losing our heart because of what's going on? And I would plead with Vine 39 and with many other people, let's return to our souls. Let's not lose our souls in the midst of this fight. And instead, let's continue to come back to compassion. For all people, not for one group of people over another, but for all people. If you suffer, I suffer. If one part of the body suffers, then we all suffer together.